Happy Sabbath, friends. I am so glad that you're joining us for this discussion through the book of Hebrews. If you've been following along, we've had incredible discussions about how the Old Testament reveals so many important truths about who Jesus is. And today, we're going to take a look at as how the, the author of Hebrews shows what Jesus's ascension to heaven, what difference that makes for us today. So before we dive into the passage, I want to invite my friend and colleague, Pastor Philip Milosavlovic, to join me on this, this chat. Pastor hey, Philip. Pastor Joey, good to see you, and thank you for having me on today again. How are you doing today? Good, good. Yeah. Excited about life, excited uh, that winter is ending here in Loma Linda, but not too excited because the heat gets really tough. Yeah, I can't believe it. it. Feels like we just had only like a month of winter yeah, and we're already in the I summer. Know. I'm hoping in March we get a little bit more rain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I we really need it. Our family loves doing gardening and so my wife's gardens are ready mm. for the fresh spring rains. Yeah. She has all kinds of plants and flowers that she loves seeing come out. So, it's been good. Wow. Yeah. What's your favorite plant to harvest in your garden? Um, you know, I think probably the one that brings the most joy to most people as they walk past our house are the dahlias. Oh. They come in so many different forms and varieties. And so some of you maybe who are watching, you know those flowers very well. But I mean, literally they could be as small as, as just kind of like a, a, a half dollar or as big as literally a dinner plate. They're called dinner plate dahlias. Wow. Gorgeous colors, vibrant, different types. And so she is quite the... Uh, connoisseur of these and so we have a lot of those and also roses i think she has almost a hundred getting close to a hundred varieties of roses wow david austin's and all kinds of others so yeah wow you just named so many flowers that i have i don't even know what they are <laughs> that's awesome but yeah. as as you're growing flowers we are also growing in our relationship yes, with jesus yes, and yes. so we're going to take a look at what mm -hmm. the author of hebrews mm -hmm. has to say in hebrews chapter 10 and yes, chapter 12. Yeah, i'm excited but before we get in, let's let's offer a word let's of prayer. Good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much for the privilege of studying scripture together to learn, to grow, give us insight to help us to understand and help that understanding to transform the way we live mm. and the way we see this world is our prayer in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 So Pastor Philip, will you begin by reading our first passage? We're going to look at two, yeah. but we'll start in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Yes, yes, let's do it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he, has, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spurn one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Wow. Wow. So there's so much here. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that imagery of the veils, mm. right? And the, the lesson study talks about how this veil, there's actually three veils 
in the temple. There's the veil that separated the inner court from the outer. Yes. And then there's the veil that separated the holy place from the courtyard. Right. And then there's the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Mm. So three different mm. veils. Mm. And so he seems to be almost talking about all of them as one veil mm. that we get to go in, mm. right? Mm. And that access that we get. But my question is, Philip. Well, before you get to yeah, the question, yeah. it's just so interesting to me. I feel like in that time and world, there was only certain access that you could get yes. depending upon your position in life, your gender in life, your uh, particular religious conviction. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you're a woman, if you're a child, if you're a foreigner, <laughs> oh, there's no way you're getting in. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really a dividing yeah. aspect. Yeah, so true. I mean, that that was even more present in the temple system, right? They had a Gentiles courtyard mm -hmm, and then they mm -hmm. had the women's courtyard and then they had the men's courtyard. Yes. And then most of it, most of the inner temple, only the priest could go in and then right. the most holy place, only the high priest mm -hmm, could go mm -hmm, in. So it's mm -hmm. definitely a separation. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So I, I, go ahead. Why do you think God did that? Why, why, why so much separation hmm. present from the very beginning? I was hoping I could ask you that question. <laughs> That's what I was going to beat you I to. beat you to the punch. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a fascinating thing that God would ever separate or want to separate himself from any of his creation. Yeah. But when you think about it in some way, the aspect of God being holy isn't something that is prevalent in our in our culture, it isn't prevalent, even amongst uh, the swing of the pendulum of where Christianity has gone to. You know, mm. Jesus is my homeboy. I remember when I was a teenager, I had a shirt that said that. Yeah. And it's like this, this almost, you could say, your bro kind of with yeah. your arm around you. Yeah. And there is something beautiful about that. But the notion of God's holiness mm. and awe, a grandeur in inspiration mm. that is just a reverence that we approach him with is so separate from our society today that it doesn't make sense that there would be separation of any kind. Yeah. But, I mean, God was also powerful. God was, in the Old Testament notion of who he was, to them he was also um, deadly. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of the story of C.S. Lewis writing, and this little girl, Lucy, is talking to an older person as they're describing who God is mm. in this lion. And she says, uh, you know, can you tell me about him? Well, he's a lion, mm. he's fierce. Yeah. But is he safe? <gasps> you know, that was this moment of realization, like, wow, God mm. is so much greater than what I've ever thought he would be. Yeah. So I think the separation at that time was necessary yeah. uh, because of the role God had to play in the people's lives. Mm. Um, he was holy. He was separate. He was apart from them. They had just lived in slavery and they were truly a people who didn't look like what he intended them to be. Yeah. Um, so that's one part of it. Hmm. But also what he wanted them to be was to be like him, beautiful in every way, but it was for their protection in some way. Hmm. They wouldn't, as he told Moses, hey, you better veil yourself because you're going to die if you see the holiness of what I look like. Mm. So it isn't almost like this idea of, oh, you know, I don't want to be around you because you're mm. less than, but it's like for your best interest, yeah. 
let's have some guardings here. Let's have some barriers. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that that imagery when Moses says, "I want to see you, mm-hmm. I want to see your glory," and God puts him in the crook of 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 a rock and then passes by and yeah. lets him see the train of his glory, but yeah. he's not able to see his his full presence right. because the holiness of God right. would destroy him. Right. So you're saying that the essence of who God is, the fact that He is so holy, makes it impossible for sinful people to directly interact with Him, and that's why these these things were in place. Yeah. Is that right? I would say that's one one of the aspects. I think there's many more. I think God is also a God of order, mm. and He created systems in which we approach Him, and the notion of how the courtyard, the sacrificial system, was set up was, in essence, to walk before his presence in cleanliness as well. Like, yeah. hey, there are things in your life that you've got to work through here. Yeah, You know, God is so good. He wants everyone to be in his presence, but he never leaves us yeah. where we are in our mess. Hmm. He might use our mess that it might become a message, Yeah, but he never leaves us there. And so mm-hmm. that was the whole essence. I mean, you had the courtyard, you would approach there, you'd bring your sacrifice, mm-hmm. and then this cleansing would go before you. Mm-hmm. So the the barriers were for our protection, but they also signified an order in which he set up and how to approach him mm-hmm. for our best interest wow. and for our transformation. Yeah, I love your focus on transformation, that the fact was that even though these barriers were there, they weren't intended to always be there, Right. that there was an idea yeah. of, continued growth and transformation. And you kind of see that in, you know, some scholars have noted that, you know, the outer courtyard with almost like its altar, like a barbecue, you know, (laughs) and uh, and a labor, a basin for washing. It's it's almost like a front yard, right? That that kind of imagery. And then you go into the holy place. That's like a living room. Mm. You know, there's furniture there with um, with food there, with bread and and light from the candlesticks and incense. And then you go into the most holy place, and that's almost like a bedroom, right? It's like or a throne room. It's like very very intimate. Sacred, yeah, yeah. And and you see this sort of development of intimacy as you get closer and closer. In and initially, mm. God creates separation, mm. but the the intention always seems to be God says, "I want you to build a sanctuary, yeah. so that I may yeah. dwell among yeah. you." Yeah, right. If I can bring kind of this cultural uh, relevant moment when I think about young adult ministry, we're talking about dating and marriage all the time, yeah. and I think this illusion really is 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 so directly connected to this. You know, mm. one 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 young adult asked me this, and it's, it's something that is asked all the time: Can I have sex with my you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, and that be okay. Yeah. And the thought is, could you? Of course you could. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Could you? But you will do greater damage mm. to your relationship if you jump to the highest level of intimacy. Yeah. Just as the people couldn't just yeah. jump into the most holy place and yes. expect it to be okay, you just messed up the order. Mm. Now, is there grace? That's why he provided the altar there. Mm absolutely for the failure. And so I I always go into that kind of idea, like, could you? Yes, you could. But there's something beautiful along the way that you'll discover when you allow the the proper order to get there. Um, And then I always remind them of the grace of God, which he provided there for the people Mm. when they didn't fall 
uh, when they didn't remain faithful and failure and falling happened in their life. Wow, that is such a great metaphor for what's happening here. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. just jump into the bedroom. No, you right? can't, you can't, you can't. Yeah, there is a process. There is. And that growth that happens at every step is important yes. before you get yeah. to that, that place. I really liked how you brought that out, the, yeah. the idea of the, the levels of intimacy increase yeah. as your, and, and maybe I would add this, as your commitment mm. to the relationship increases. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So it's a growing level of growth, but it's also a growing level of commitment right. that we show to God as right. our relationship right. with him develops. And right. you're seeing this also mirrored in our human relationships right. as well. Right. And now the text though brings out that God also has a commitment to us. Mm. So yeah. you get into verse 19, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened through the curtain that is his body. Yeah. So God in the form of flesh came as Jesus, was willing to be committed so much to us that it cost him something. Yeah. I guess what what did that then do for you and I? Mm. His commitment to us. Yeah. What did that unlock? It seems to unlock a sense of assurance, right? Mm. Like you can be confident to approach. I mean, that's the theme here. Um, in verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence mm. to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. And I, I just want to pause for a moment. For us, hearing this verse, this is something, this is a metaphor we've heard a lot. A lot. Yeah. But for the Jewish listeners of this, Jewish readers of this, this letter, that must have been shocking to hear what? we can enter the most holy place mm. because nobody nobody enters the most holy place yeah. except for the high priest, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, what What are you saying yeah. here? Not everyone can get into the White House. Yes, That's yeah. That's like crazy. What, we all get a ticket in? <laughs> and not just the White House, to enter the Oval Office, right? Oh yeah. Like we have access to the Oval Office. You can just walk in whenever you want. And talk to the president? Yeah. What? So, so what is he saying here? Um, you know, we've we talked about that there's a process, mm -hmm. right? So is he is he saying that now that Jesus died for us and he made for us a made for us a way that we can just jump into the bedroom? Uh -oh. That we can go directly into the oval I guess office? My is that what he's illustration saying? would totally fall apart if someone <laughs> like some young adult, you know, wise enough to say, Hey, the New Testament brother has ushered in a new way. Let's break down the sexual <laughs> ethics here. No, but I think what has happened is yeah. that Jesus mm -hmm. went through the proper order. Uh, and as a result of what he did, we can now follow in his steps mm -hmm. to that pathway. Yeah. But this is the thing, along the way, there's still a structure. Yeah. Yes, the, the veil has been torn. Yes, all that is separate, but there is still a sense of Traveling through. Traveling through. You're yeah. still, you, you can't just be here and get there. Yeah. You're not, we're not going into teleportation, yeah. but we absolutely are going through a journey to that place. Wow. So that I think has to be clear. So anyone who's trying to bring up some kind of idea, <laughs> hey, pastor, you've just opened up a portal for our young people and anyone, no, no, I didn't do that. So the veil opening means that everyone can eventually get there, Yes. but we still need to travel through each section. You know, I think that is actually present in this passage because it talks about 
here in verse 22, let yeah. us draw near to God yes. with sincere heart and with right. full assurance that faith brings, but having our hearts sprinkled yes. to cleanse us. So that sprinkling yes. that happens at the altar, the cleansing that happens right. at the, you know, the labor, right. that still needs to happen before you, you move through. Yes. So there is a process yes. present even here. Absolutely. And now the beautiful thing, and, and I know we talked about this at some point, and it is, because Jesus went all the way in, mm. now we know we yes. can get there. It's yeah. like when you watch an adventure film and mm. the bridge looks terribly shaky and you're wondering, <laughs> can anyone get over it? And usually they'll send over the smallest person, you know, mm. okay, buddy, you go over first. Like, yeah. what, me? <laughs> if you can make it, then we might all be able to as well. And they watch him kind of hobble through, the, the, the logs don't break, the yeah. rope still holds. Okay, he made it. And so everyone keeps going over because the first person made it over. Yeah. So Jesus is the biggest risk taker. Mm. He is the biggest initiator. Mm -hmm. And he's willing to continue in keeping the veil open on our behalf. Wow. He yeah. really is a trailblazer. He's oh, like yeah. one of those front first frontier people that made their way across to the Oregon Trail. Right, right. right. It's a proof of concept right. for the rest of us. Well, I guess what does that do for us, Joey? Hmm. The fact that he did this. Yeah. How does this change my and your life, actually? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, again, going back to it, I think that gives me confidence. It gives me confidence that what I'm going through right now isn't the end. Mm. That there is always something better waiting for me okay. ahead. Yeah. That this, because the door is open, I don't have to be worried that, oh my gosh, I did this thing and now I'm gonna be stuck in this step forever, mm. right? The veils are open. So there is more for mm. me to do. There's a there's a path ahead for me to, to follow. And that at the end, I'm gonna be where Jesus is now. Yeah. I don't know, but how about for you? Yeah, I think I think that the other element that comes to my mind is the fact that because Jesus went before me, mm. I have that confidence, but I also have the greatest sense of hope. Mm. I have the greatest sense of intimacy with God. Yeah. I have the greatest sense of now being able to say, hey guys, come, I'm going somewhere I'm following someone along the way, as, as Paul says, hey, mm. go where I have gone. Like, mm. come follow me. Yeah. So now I'm given assurance yeah. that there is something beautiful to come. He's paved the way because in my own efforts, I couldn't make it. I couldn't. The people couldn't do it thousands and thousands of years. They could not live perfectly as mm. the law required, but one could. Yeah. And as a result of what he did, now I also have access to intimacy yeah. that the people never had. Yeah. In their unclean state, could you imagine that they would go to, before God? No, they were completely afraid because they knew who they were. Yeah. I mean, with Moses, it was like, what? Uh, a couple weeks later, they end up making a bunch of idols to <laughs> sacrifice to. They, they were a people who were bent towards evil. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to have anything to do with this powerful force up above on the mm -hmm. mountain. So now that we have that level of intimacy, in our uncleanliness, it is something that I think each one of us has to grapple with to not take for granted as mm. well. Yeah, that guaranteed hope gives us assurance, but it also tends to sometimes belittle God a little bit. It and does. then we we presume on that yes. assurance rather than just yes. have confidence in it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know that there is a fine line between saying, 
I'm saved because of the works of what Jesus has done on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And then saying it in a way that I am confident I'm going to be in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, I am assured as I have put my trust in Jesus that he wants me to be there as much as I want to be there. Mm -hmm. But I also have to walk before the Lord with a sense of awe mm -hmm. and say, Lord, my prayer is to always be with you. Yeah. And I have I have done uh, the work of walking by faith, you know. Yeah. And so your word declares, and so I'm resting on the promises of his word without saying, with almost like a lack of humility yeah. towards salvation. I, I wouldn't want to say you you shouldn't have a confidence, mm -hmm. but I also wouldn't want to say you can walk arrogantly yeah. into your salvation. Yeah. I don't know if that makes presumptuously. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. How would you explore that? Yeah, actually, I, I I do think that aspect, that dynamic between God being a, an awesome God mm -hmm. and God wanting to draw near to us yeah. and being a close God. Yes. That's actually present in the next passage we're going to read. So yeah. let's let's take a look at that and see how yeah. the writer of Hebrews balances okay. that out. That's Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Um, we're going to be reading from verse 18, and it's using an imagery from Mount Sinai, mm. right? When the Israelites approached mm. Mount Sinai. Mm. Um, so verse 18, we're going to go all the way to the end of chapter 12. Um, let's start reading. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, mm. to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged and no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear, mm. but you have come to Mount Zion, so a different mountain, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from he him who warns us from heaven at that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heavens mm. the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken that mm. is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for mm. our God is a consuming fire. Whew. So there's a lot wow. here, but you see this dynamic of, first of all, the Israelites being so afraid to approach the mountain that they said, eventually said to Moses, don't let him speak to us any longer. Mm. You, he needs to speak to you and then you just tell us yeah, what God is saying. Yeah, yeah. And then saying, well, that's not your experience because Jesus has made the way you can approach Mount Zion and you mm. don't have to be afraid. Mm. But then he goes back and he says, well, God is a consuming fire. Mm. So there is this, this, this back and forth of God is approachable, mm. but he's also a, a God of consuming fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. there is that both both yes. of those dynamics present there. It's it's a it's a strange thing. You almost think like, hey, are you bipolar here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you're one way about God, now you're another way about God. Yeah. You know, 
and, and I, I don't say that with any jest here, but, but the reality here, it seems like there's a tension, but I think there's a clarity between yeah. in that when you hold humility before God, that you do not walk in complete arrogance before mm-hmm. him. But I think we also have to understand the character of God mm-hmm. deeply. I, I was looking up while you were reading um, a book that I had I just started reading that I just think is so beautiful. Yeah. And that is that the heart of God, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, and, and maybe we'll read that just briefly, just for a moment, I think puts the tension between these two really incredibly in that, when we want to know who God is, he gave us a clear picture of himself in Jesus. Mm. You see the God who is both fierce yeah. in the marketplace of those rulers who want to take advantage of the least. Mm. And you see someone who can go to the, the most feeble, depressed and broken yeah. and just have such utter compassion. Mm. You know, so you see both of them at play here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, is just such a beautiful passage. Uh, Matthew 11, chapter 11, verse 29, here it mm-hmm. says, or I'll read verse 28 first. Uh, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, this is God directly saying who yeah. he is. Yeah. I am gentle and humble in heart. Mm and you will find rest for your souls. For take my yoke, for my burden is light, and my way is easy. Mm. You know, here God is just telling the people, this is who I am at the heartbeat. Yes. You don't need to approach me with fear. Now, the one who is arrogant, the one who is steaming with power, and those who walk around me should fear. No, that person should be a little bit afraid of God. Because God has no place for the arrogant in that same sense. Yeah. Oh, you don't need me? Oh, really? Mm. Well, let's let's just see how that works out mm. for you. And so here, uh, I think it's just so amazing because it says that he's gentle and humble in heart. Wow. Now, this doesn't mean that God is, is weakling, but it just means, hey, you who are burdened with sin, yeah. you who are just, just so down right now in your season in life, don't think that God is against you. Mm. Don't think that God doesn't see your pain. Don't think that God is completely forgotten the promises that he has for your life. This is a God who says, I am gentle, I am lowly in heart, bring whatever you've got because I'm willing to take it on. Mm. He holds the tension between those two in who he is. And so if we're following after the Father Mm. through the Son, who has gone to the uttermost center, mm-hmm. heartbeat. If we're following Jesus, we will be okay. Wow. You know, you don't have to fear mm. and you don't have to walk in a completely bad way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, Philip. And I love your focus on how when we how we approach God actually determines what we need from him. Mm. In that if we approach with arrogance, then maybe we need God to show how holy and powerful and awesome right, he is. Right. If we are approaching with a lot of fear and tentativeness because we're just so overwhelmed that mm. God shows that gentle side of him. Yeah, so, yeah. and that's why you see these different parts of God, aspects of God present throughout scripture. There mm, are times mm. when do, God does 
come in a thunderous cloud and there are times where he is the still small voice, yeah. right? Yeah. So he he becomes what we need so that he can bring us into mm. a closer relationship with mm. him. Mm. There is that, mm. that, that dynamic of God adapting himself to humanity mm. in order to bring humanity back to himself. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that, Joey. What Now, when you look at the text here and when you look at the very first part, the people were afraid to approach God. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how many times, Joey, you've been in a situation where someone comes up to you and they say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love being able to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a joy of my life as a minister of the gospel to pray for people. Mm-hmm. But I also sometimes wonder if this might be part of that, that request is that I don't know if I'm holy enough or I don't know if I'm right with the Lord enough mm-hmm. that I could approach him myself. Yeah. I think that could be an aspect of it, right? There's another part where it's like, I just need you to journey with me in my pain. Yeah. Let's talk to God together. But I think there's another part where it's like, well, your powers, your prayers are a little bit more powerful than mine. <laughs> uh, I think they get directly to the throne, whereas mine might get halfway. And then if we get the conference president, maybe the GC president, I mean, it's like the voice of God's connected to it. You know? um, I, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know. What, what do you think when people want you to become the mediator and that could be for any one of yeah. you i mean any one of our neighbors has asked another neighbor a friend or a child to a parent like could you pray you know yeah how do you experience that in the in the relation to what god has done for us well first of all it's a privilege right whenever yeah. we get to step in these spaces like you're talking about it's a privilege to be able to um be a made mediator but I think it's important to be a mediator in that I don't have to be a stand in between God and other people because mm. everybody has direct as- access to God. That's yes. what we just read in Hebrews chapter 10, right? right? But more as sort of what Jesus did for us where he blazed the trail. And so maybe if the person doesn't know exactly how to approach God in this way, that as a way of teaching and, and showing the way mm. that I, I can step in that behalf and to also be alongside the person like you just talked about to support them. But often it can become almost like, mm. oh, you have a closer relationship with God. You have more direct access. Mm. I remember there was a there was a professor at PUC when I was there um, by the name of uh, Dr. Warren Ashworth. And people would always say, when Dr. Ashworth prays, God listens, uh, right? <laughs> to the fact that, you know, his prayers have power. When yeah. he when he speaks, God is listening in. And you know, we, we always laugh, but there was this belief that, you know, man, the, people would tell stories. Oh, he prayed for me for this. And then God stepped in. And it almost created this dynamic of, well, if I had prayed by myself, then it wouldn't it have wouldn't happened. It wouldn't work. Yeah. yeah. But because Dr. Ashworth prayed, you know, and he he was an incredible man. I respect oh, him yeah. so much. But I, I think that's a dangerous space to step into, mm. to say that someone has a closer access to God mm. than somebody else, because mm. that's not true. It's mm. the priesthood of all believers. All believers, yeah. Right? yeah. And that's that we all have access through the veils to God yeah. himself yeah. directly. Yeah. I, agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I do think sometimes people give deference to a pastor being in the room like, yeah. you know, you're at a family gathering and you're the only pastor. Pastor, would you pray for yeah. it? You know, pastor and elder Ted Wilson was here in our building this yes. week, you know, with the board members and everyone looked to him and said, 
would you pray over you know the church and all you know i think yeah. it's this aspect of hey you know we give respect to your position and would you pray for us so mm -hmm. i think that's probably what happens more of the time yeah but i also think there are moments when we sometimes like to place someone between us and god mm -hmm. um because we are afraid i yeah. remember being in nepal and it was one of those moments i i have yet to experience again in that same clarity of uh seeing the darkest force of evil literally manifest in front mm -hmm. of me i'm preaching in this church and a hindu community all surrounding this little adventist church right outside of the capital city um, of Kathmandu in nepal and i get to the end of the sermon i make an appeal and people stand. Mm. I was talking about the three Elijahs in the Bible, mm. right? There was Elijah the prophet, uh, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, and then you, you too might be able to usher the way, mm. you know. Wow. So you are the third Elijah. And there I was preaching, I encouraged them, would you be the third, you know? And people stood, and this one lady was there at the front, and she's standing, and, and I could see the tears in her eyes, and she's listening to the prayer. And then all of a sudden, just the shaking that happens um, that she's doing. It's mm -hmm. not an earthquake, a country that has been wrecked by earthquakes many yeah. times, but this was not an earthquake this moment, but it was an earthquake in her body. Mm. And all of a sudden you hear this shrill come out of her mouth. Yeah. And man, the Nepali pastor that was behind me immediately kind of like pushes me aside and just starts praying over her. And everyone's just like, what is going on, you know, as well. I should say yeah. us foreigners were like, what is going on? <laughs> and and the lady, you know, is just kind of shaking there, standing mm. and the shrill's coming out. And then all of a sudden she stops and then just kind of collapses there, falls to the floor. And everyone in the church surrounds her. And what they did is they got Bibles. Mm. Everyone put the Bible and they placed their Bibles on her, mm. you know, as if it was kind of the sense of like warding off the spirit in that moment. And that was part of their communal experience of mm. the bible carries a power mm. you know this is not just a book where you hear the word of god but it is powerful mm -hmm. you know it's like a wand yeah you know and and the pa pastor kind of explained to me you know they come from a culture uh the nepali pastor explains they come from a culture where there is just a lot of holiness in mm. things yeah and so they place that there yeah and i wonder how some of us also do that yeah we have certain things that we th consider more holy. Mm -hmm. um, and this is kind of the go between me and God. You know, yeah. sometimes we do that with our tithe. Yeah. You think like this will give you something mm -hmm. special. Uh, if the pastor's here, this will give me something special. But while there is something reverent about all those things, I think the, the essence of this text is, hey, you have direct access. Mm -hmm. You have it fully. It isn't just those who are leaders. It isn't just a pastor. It isn't just the Bible that carries a power. It's like you in your place there in your chair that might be watching. You in your place there in nature. You, wherever you are, you have full connection. Yeah. You alone, without any mediator. We don't need a priest right now. We don't need a, you don't have to be in a church building. It is a simplicity of prayer in that connection. Mm. You and the Father. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, even though we have that direct access, sometimes our fear, like you're talking about, keeps right. us from 
directly accessing and wanting to place things in between yeah. almost like talismans right, right? Yeah. yeah and you sort of see that with the israelites because once moses went up in the up to the mountain because they were afraid to hear from god directly sure, they sure. sent moses up he was way a long long time so what did they create they create a golden calf they create a thing to stand in between them and God, mm -hmm. you know, they had mm -hmm. Moses standing in between, and then they created this thing that they can manipulate, and and that that is a physical presence of God with them. Yeah. And and do we do the same thing today? Can you think of things that that we we place between us and God nowadays? I mean, we don't have um, relics like they yeah. used to in the past. Yeah. Or, you know, we don't ascribe to those things. But are there things or maybe practices that we we feel like put us you you mentioned tie that's one of those yeah i mean i think i think sometimes it's almost like we want to buy god mm. in some way like well if i give a certain amount then and i mean scripture is clear like listen god's blessings flow into your life in your faithfulness whether mm. it's in tithe giving serving showing up to church like there are blessings when you're faithful it's a promise yeah but when you assume, well, I can do this mm. and then I'll cover for it. I mean, that was like yeah. what happened with the indulgences yeah. back in the Middle Ages. Hey, uh, you're planning on doing a couple of things you know are not good and are not uh, you know, kosher and sanctioned by scripture. Well, buy some indulgences and you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. That isn't how you can approach the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you can approach him without your stuff because you can't buy holiness. Mm. Uh, you can't pay for it. I remember the, the film, mm. The Mission, and it was a, a, a character who was kind of like this fighter, um, a, a fighter in, in this space, and he had done so much you know, fighting and killing, and he just wanted to almost pay for his mm. sins. Mm. And one of the priests that was along the way taking him to this Spanish mission said, will carry all of your weapons and all of this armor and put it on your back and carry it through the jungle, you know? Mm. And he got to a point where he was just trudging through the rivers, the valleys, everywhere he was going. And it was, you could tell it was just wearing on him. It was too much. Uh. And he got to a point of utter collapse and he just started crying. Mm. Half of it was crying for his sin, mm -hmm. for his pain, what he had done to people. But half of it was like, I can't carry this anymore. Mm. And that's when the priest came over and he cut it. He mm. cut the, the burden that was on him. He's like, you get it now? Mm. You can't carry this. You can't pay enough to approach the Father. Wow. But that journey of penance that he had to go through was helpful in some way that, that he realized, like, I can't do it. Yeah, you can't do mm -hmm. it. Uh, you've got to have someone that covers that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, penance, if if used that way to teach yeah. about the, the overwhelming grace of God and our need for God, that's powerful. Yeah. But when we take it to, oh, us trying to manipulate God, that's really a lot of what happened with the indulgences. It's like, oh, I know I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna pay for it ahead of time mm -hmm. just to make sure that my salvation, you know, we talked about the danger of having too much confidence and assurance and feeling like, you know, we, we presume on God. That's the danger, right? But the danger of too much fear, on the other hand, is we get so uncomfortable with that fear that we also, we try to lessen it. We try mm. to lessen the awesomeness of God and make him more controllable. Mm. Just like with the golden calf, oh, just like with the penance, uh. right? Just like with the indulgences, because God is so overwhelming and we, we, 
can't bear to face him like these Israelites couldn't. Mm. We try to create something to make God more manipulatable, more controllable, mm. more palatable to us. Mm. And so we lessen the fearsomeness of wow. God. Wow. And yet what God is saying is, approach me knowing that I am a consuming fire mm. and trust me not to consume you. Oh, right. Good point. Yeah, this idea that God is still awesome wow. and still approachable. Wow. And don't try to le lessen either one of those. Wow. You can't really control a consuming fire. Yeah. We know that in California <laughs> very well. It is it's tough. True. It's true. These fires go and go and go, and it is difficult to stop them. Yeah. Um, and the fact that God calls himself a consuming fire. Wow. Wow. You yeah. can't control me. I love how you brought that out, this idea uh, of control. Yeah. That is exactly what we love to do. God, I know what I'm gonna do. Well, actually you don't. Yeah. I remember that text that says, you, you cannot even know what will happen next day. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. So what does that look like to lean into both the fact that God is uncontrollable mm. and he is awesome, mm. and also lean into the fact that God yeah. is approachable yeah. and loving. I mean, I go back to what I said earlier because I think it's foundational. Mm -hmm. When you are walking in this journey of faith with your eyes set on Jesus, mm -hmm. with your eyes set on, Lord, I wanna just stay connected to you. I don't think we have to fear mm -hmm. the consuming fire nor this other space of utter just trembling. You know, it's like, when I'm following after the son who has been there and is God and himself can be the consumption, but says, come on, let's go. I've made it, I've made it guys, let's go, let's go, come with me. Yeah. You know, I think that is a powerful space of just recollection within us. And it's an attitude shift mm -hmm. that we all have to take. God, I just wanna be in, in full connection with you today. Wow. I want to know what is the sun doing that I can be part of it. And I want to know that you're in, you're in this with me too. Yeah, that's yeah. beautifully said because at the heart of it really is what we said in the beginning that God wants to dwell among us. Mm -hmm. He wants to be with us. Mm -hmm. And that is what the advent in Adventists is all about, right? Mm. The desire of God to constantly draw closer to us. And over and over again, you see throughout scripture, God making attempt after attempt mm. to, to connect with humanity and humanity always turning away yeah. and rejecting him, yeah. eventually even killing him, Oof. right? That, that, is, that is the history of our relationship with God, but God doesn't give up on mm. us. Mm. And so as long as we are continuing to draw closer to God and realizing as we draw closer to God that he is not controllable he is mm. not manipulatable he mm. is awesome mm. that that is mm. at the heart of our faith what you're saying brings up a, a story that i think is just so beautiful the story of jose and gomer in the scriptures mm. god not only yearns to be with us but he does everything he can to to be close to us mm -hmm. you know the story of jose and gomer here this prophet is called to marry a prostitute and it, it seems like a Whoa, wait, what did he just do? <laughs> you know, but it's living out this symbolism of, hey, you guys, you're doing things that don't represent me. Uh, you're represented as a lady of the night. Mm. That is my people. That is who you are. And I'm the God who says, I will take you as you are. Mm. And I will love you into holiness. I will love you into mm. 
-hmm. and I will continue to pursue after you, yes. even when you walk out of the relationship, because yeah. that's what that's what Gomer did. Yeah, she left mm -hmm. this space of beauty and went back into her prostitution. Yeah. She didn't know what it meant to be deeply loved in a covenant relationship with yeah. a man who would say, "Hey, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. you just." be with me here yeah. in this space i really love the uh kind of adaptation of that yeah. which was done by francine rivers in the in the book called redeeming love mm. if any of you have heard of francine rivers or you've never man read redeeming love it is amazing 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 book and and she takes the story and puts it into 19th century gold rush west mm. motif and here's a little brothel and you know this farmer named michael hosea <laughs> comes in and brings this oh it's awesome such a good story great date night movie great date night movie. a little bit racy better be married and prepared for that but it's a good good book just mm. uh, picturing this reality of what the father has given the son to do for us on our behalf. And because of that, he will always pursue us. Yeah. He will always go after us. Yeah, you know, the, I love how that illustration brings up two dynamics of God. The fact that he never gives up on us, mm. but he also never gives up on growing us yeah. either. So there is sometimes this this belief that oh, if you love me the way I am, the, the uh, for who I am, then you will just leave me this way. Mm. But that is not how God loves us. You said He loves us into holiness, right? Mm. He accepts us the way we are. He loves us the way we are. Mm. But there is definitely a growth process yeah. that He is leading us through. Um, which is present throughout the book of Hebrews and throughout this whole imagery of the of the of the temple of the sanctuary, right? That we are continued. Everybody has access. Yes, but there is growth involved in yes. that access. Yes, as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Joey, I I love this discussion because I think it's at the heartbeat of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's at the heartbeat of who Jesus is, and it is the heartbeat of what me the message we should be sharing with our neighbors, yeah. with people around us in our life. I'm just going to read a quote to you uh, that I just found just to be so meaningful from Ellen White's uh, writings here. Some of you might be new to Ellen White and her writings, but this is this is just something that came came to me this morning from the Ministry of Healing, page 133. It says this, There is nothing that the world needs so much as a knowledge of the gospel's saving power revealed in Christ-like lives. Mm. You know, we have so much influence with the world around us. We have so much influence in the lives of those connected to us mm. that we take it for granted. Yeah. Everyone is watching us. Mm. Everyone. They watch how you act at your best and your worst. Mm. And what it says about the father that you follow is big. And the biggest message that we want to get across with our lives is the gospel of God's mercy and forgiveness the gospel of the desire for the Father to never leave you where you are, but mm -hmm. to continue to support you into transformation. Mm -hmm. And may our lives tell that story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. And what what perfect way to end, because that, that really is the two themes of salvation and the two themes found in these passages that we can both have confidence that God will love us the way we are, but also we can have confidence that God will transform us to be more like Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, amen. Pastor Philip, will you pray for us as we wrap up? I'd be happy to. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the kind of God that steps into our world, steps into human flesh, just to know what it's like for our behalf and our benefit. So, Lord, thank you for being such an incredible God that would do that. But also, Lord, thank you that you are so much bigger than what we've ever imagined. Mm. Thank you that you are more holy than we ever thought. Thank you that you are more awesome and a consuming fire. Father, may we always be inspired by who you are. And may we always sense and know that we can come before such a great God for what we need. Lord, bless my friends who are watching this right now. You know the burdens that each one is carrying. You know the pain that they don't tell very many. You know the issues going on, but you also know, God, their excitements, the joyous things that people are going through. Father, we pray over our friends around the world who are experiencing incredible chaos. Jesus, may they too know that you are in their war, in their pain, and in their suffering. Whether they be in Ukraine or Russia, whether they be in the throes of Africa or here, a young child in the middle of America, God bless us and guide us, direct us, and touch every one of us. In Jesus' name we all pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. So friends, today, what aspect of God do you need to see? Is it the awesome consuming fire of God that you need to realize how truly great and powerful God is? Or is it the God that loves us and that is approachable and that we need to hear? Which God, which God do you need to encounter this morning? Have a happy Sabbath.